You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Welcome to Webcology here on Cranberry.fm. It's the uh, 10th of November, 2016. Uh, it's Jim Hedger Media, joined by Dave Davies from BeanSec. Beanstalk internet marketing, and uh, it's just one of those days. I mean, like you, you don't know exactly what to say or how to say it. Or um, stunning, stunning change in uh, basically the world as we know it. Yep. Um. There's a, uh, you know what? There's a lot of stuff we could talk about politically. I think everybody is still really raw. Nobody really knows what they want to say just yet. Um, and, uh, maybe we should leave the political talk to another show when we all know where the ground is exactly, because I don't even know where it is right now. Well, I think that's, uh, that's sage advice, because we have a fantastic, like, I, I have been looking forward to this show for, I don't know, months. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, I just, again, expected a much higher tone (laughs) going into the show. Um... Dave, who is coming up on Webcology today? Uh, we have got the entire uh, Mobile Moxie crew uh, coming on. So this is uh, Cindy Crumbs, who's been on our show previously, uh, for, for all of our regular listeners will know. Um, that's, that's her crew coming on here. That's Cindy Crumb, uh, Emily Grossman, and Catherine. Oh, her last name's escaping me, and I should have, I should have brought it. What? Hillis? Okay. Hillis. Hillis. Thanks. Catherine Thanks. Hillis. <laughs> uh, is coming on. 
perfect timing. We're going to be chatting mobile. Uh, mobile first indexes is, is the big news, obviously, this week. So we're not going to talk about that in the first segment of this show, obviously, because we have three people who have probably forgotten more about mobile than the rest of us collectively know. Um, so that's fantastic. We've got them coming up. I've been looking forward to this for a good a good few months. We've been trying to get this thing lined up. And, uh, yeah, where, where do you want to go? I mean, we there's there's been a few interesting notes. It's It's been tough no way. <laughs> tough to sort of follow i think for everybody what's been going on in the search world um just because of you know the the election and, and what was going on there but there is stuff that has been going on so where do you want to start jim well i'm the first place that, uh, i think that we would have wanted to start had uh if we didn't have uh cindy emily and Catherine coming on in a few minutes would be the google's mobile first strategy just because it's such a sweeping it feels from where i'm sitting at the moment it feels like it's just a sweeping announcement so instead of discussing mobile first, uh, let's give the audience just a really quick recap on what they mean by mobile first or desktop uh, site strategy. Um, you know, just to, 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 when you hear mobile first, what does that what does that mean to you? <laughs> you know what? Until this uh, these recent announcements from Google, mobile first. And I, I, it's it's our guest coming up, Cindy Crumb's voice in the back of my head going, "Design mobile first." Uh, to me, it, it, it till now it's been a design term. Uh, now it is a priority on Google's end, right? Like a a preference of um, which index they're considering to be more important. So I, I think that's to me what this is referring to, and, and we're going to find out exactly what this means for us as SEOs and, and web developers and business owners uh, coming up shortly. Yeah, let me throw a question to you. Um, and this has to preface the question with a short story. Earlier today, I was asked a question by one of my clients who is um, considering going into the paid search, into the paid, well, the paid search, you know, they're thinking of doing pay-per-click. And... The client was asking me to sort of evaluate the difference between Google AdWords and Bing search advertising based specifically on uh, their audience, on the people who you know, are most likely to, to go to um, this business center's website. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I got into like my whole like, you know, SEO assumption cap, and I told them straight up, this is just SEO assumption. You can't you know, make any more out of it, then this is just my first thoughts. But with Google moving to a mobile-first strategy, I mean, that, 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 that's like shopping and retail and on-the-go search, right? Yeah. Um, Google, I want a pizza. That's, that's mobile-first. Does that really work for business? I'm looking for a whole bunch of blue widgets. I mean, I'm talking 20,000 blue widgets. <laughs> that's not retail search. No. <laughs> so, over time might Google be sort of um, pigeonholing itself? And Bing, who announced this morning they would not do a mobile-first strategy, might they, you know, sort of take some market share from Google because over time, I'm guessing that results at Google might start being skewed towards what we would have seen before as local search results, while, um, you know, Bing is going to just consider, continue serving up results based on the stuff they get out of websites, be they mobile or uh, or a uh, uh, desktop. Right. What do you think? What do you, is there a chance that Google just became its own worst enemy, or uh, is that just, you know, radical SEO assumptions? 
Um, I, I think, and you know what, we're, we're going to have to make sure to, to ask the crew coming on in, in a little bit about this, just to, to confirm, because I am an amateur relative to, to what they they do um, in, in this space. But my instinct on this one is, and, and looking at, I mean, you know, I, I love my patents, and looking at, at some of the other um, things that they're working on right now, I think we're going to see a shift. Like right now, they, they've gone from desktop primary over to mobile primary. Um, I think at the end of the day, you know, we're going to get more machine learning in there. We're going to get uh, more sophisticated systems to, to look at user intent. And I think that intent is going to come where it's going to come into play. I mean, when we look at a, a scenario where I'm going to buy and I'm, I'm looking to order a billion blue widgets, I'm not actually looking for anything right around me and probably not looking for, you know, this is more B2B sort of stuff. So it tends to be, not always, but it tends to be that B2B-based sites, especially when we're dealing with products, and, and you know what, heck, I, I'm an SEO, you and I, our websites are B2B. This is not, for the most part, relying on information that is updated on the fly. You need to know this right now, and it needs to be accurate right now, right? Like, it doesn't need to generally be a super fast index, um, because my services don't change. I mean, they do, but... You know, it's not like I need to know right now my the cost of something on Amazon because I'm ordering it from my phone this second because I'm in a store and I can find it cheaper there and they got a sale ending in two minutes, right, or something like that. And I've been there. <laughs> so, uh, so I think that's what we hit as a difference. But I think as Google and enters in these more um, user behavior metrics and, and, and more machine learning and intent learning um, based on the searcher themselves – I think we're going to actually see a move away from this mobile first or desktop first and a whichever one makes the most sense first um, sort of world. Well, yeah, and also I, I, I prefaced I my comments to my clients and I, with, with this sentence, and I should have prefaced my comments here. Over time, naturally, the mobile environment is going to become the dominant environment. That's going to happen. Right. Uh, but we won't be calling it the mobile environment then. It'll just be the devices we use to access the Internet with. Right. Well, and you know what? Let's. I'm going to sort of minorly segue, but talking exactly about mobile and the importance of it. We have actually, as it turns out, a fourth guest, uh, and and our, our regular listeners will have heard his voice coming in here occasionally. If there's a question about the importance um, that Google's placing on mobile, I mean they're they're launching their own phones now, um, but but the engineer Brasco Project Phi, you've actually. Subscribe to it. You've been using it for a couple of weeks. I, you know, being where I'm located, have not, obviously. Brasco, what can you tell us about it? Well, I mean, I've had it since November 1st. I bought it, what, a uh, week before that. I just went onto their website. They tell you what information you need. You just need to make sure to have a Google Nexus phone, one of their past Google phones, or the new Pixel. And they let you lease the phones just as you like, same way as you'd get at any other store. It's $20 a month talk and text straight out the bat. And then a dollar, and then actually $10 per every gig of data that you use after that. And then they control how much data you have by the fact that they don't give you rollover uh, data. They actually will give you credit back if you don't use a full gig of data. So you're going to get charged the data you get to the T. And then, you know, they will charge you up to what it is and then they give you back whatever you don't use. They use T-Mobile, like Sprint, and U.S. Cellular coverage for their for their phones. Wi-Fi calling is a lot better. 
I love the signal. I mean, I, I've had clear calls, no droppage. It's been great so far. Well, Google Fi has to be more than just like a telephone provider. I mean, what else are they doing for you? What they're also doing is when you're looking online through the Internet, they're actually giving security parameters where they're, used, they're actually – you're working through their own VPNs from what I read. So when you're going through and you're just browsing through different sites, you're using – uh, you're going through something that Google's using. I don't know what VPNs are, but what I read was that's supposed to be an extra security measure so that, you know, avoiding any viruses or hacking or any kind of uh, malware that you might get. Yeah, it's a virtual private network that sort of emulates the network that you're on, and it's like it becomes like a firewall for you. It's the wall between you and the wider web. They're just using the resources from their other phone providers so they can have their own phones they can sell. So the, really, it's the service they're probably giving as a loss leader so that they can get people to buy the phones that they're now building themselves. It's, you sign up for this on November 1st, correct? Right. November 1. It's now November 10. How, how, how quickly did the device get to you? How quickly did the service turn on, et cetera? So when I signed up and I paid for the first month up front, they send you the SIM card. And they send it to you in the mail, and you just switch out the SIM card that's existing there. There's a few things that change. They actually offer a service uh, called Data Saver. So there are all these different background apps that might be running normally. Google has it where it's going to go ahead and cut off certain apps that will not keep running to save your data. Okay. And well, the reason that yeah. – oh, sorry, sorry? No, no, that's, it. that's pretty much it. Well, the big reason, Baskin, we want you to come on and, and talk about your, your Google Fi service is that you've got it and we don't. And B, it just sort of demonstrates, um, as Dave said a few minutes ago, how deep Google's commitment to the mobile world um, well, is. This is where they see us going tomorrow. And, you know, Google's big uh, beyond don't be evil. <laughs> One of Google's corporate, corporate mantras is, it's technology. We own it. Um, is there anything else that you can think of on the market that, that approaches what you're getting from, uh, from, from Google Fi? I was a T-Mobile customer for 13 years. Before that, I was an AT&T singular customer for about six years. It's the best service I had. I don't have any dropping on the phones. I mean, I always have 3G or 4G coverage, and I never had that before. Whatever service I had, you would have where you were between towers and you would lose it. Or if you're in a rural area, you would not have that much signal. I have not had that issue at all. Most Brilliant. interesting. Again, um, I think, you know, this is, this is for Dave as well. I think this is uh, this service and the existence of Google Pixel, which I haven't seen yet. They haven't introduced them in Canada, but they're, they're, they're apparently some of the, uh, the best cell phones ever made. From, from the reviews I've read, huge commitment to moving into the mobile world, even into the manufacturing world, which, like, bit Microsoft so badly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it, it, it just, when you see a company make a commitment like this, I mean, for SEOs out there, you got to, and I'm, I'm sure the Cindy and... Uh, and Emily will, will absolutely pack this, but things for mobile, and there's going to be more than uh, than responsive and apps coming in the near future. Um, 
clearly that's where Google sees us being three to five years from now. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's I think, undisputed at this point, and I mean, rightfully so. We've all seen the usage stats, so that's just <laughs> um, the way of it. But I think a conversation I really want to be having is, who does this matter for, who does this not, right? Like, we all know sectors uh, where, yes, we're going mobile first, but it doesn't, uh, I'm in one of them, right? Like, nobody's looking up who's going to do their internet marketing for them on their phone. I mean, they might, but that's not the device they're on when they're about to make that call or fill out that contact form, right? So that's going to be an interesting discussion, and I'm sure there's many others and, and many other of these more complex considerations for, for people to be making, and I guess we can chat with uh, Cindy, uh, Emily, and Catherine about that uh, in just a few minutes. Actually, unfortunately, Catherine Hillis, Hillis will not be able to join us, uh, but Ashley Berman-Hale will be joining us, and studios just told me we have Cindy, Emily, and Ashley waiting on the line. One more story I want to cover before we go to break really quickly, and uh, just because it's an important, timely thing. Um, if you're working on the Search Console today, <laughs> um, <Good. laughs> and you see some really weird numbers, don't freak out. Uh, Google confirmed earlier today that they are performing infrastructure upgrades to Search Console. This may impact reporting. You may get weird information. Don't freak out. Uh, something else I'll, I'll just note on the exact same subject. I tried to log in to a client's Search Console this morning. It was disconnected. It was an easy verification again, but um, that may apparently happen as well because it, it happened to me. Um, okay, where I just tried to get in. The data was there when you, when you re-verified, right? Yeah, I mean, everything was fine as soon as I did, but it had disconnected me. Now, fortunately, I had the accesses through analytics to just do that myself, but if you had, say, something shared with you or it had been verified in a mechanism you can't control anymore, um, you know, there may, <laughs> you may... You may have a bit more hiccups, but don't panic. It's just part of, uh, I'm assumably, part of this glitch um, that's happening right now, and... It's not your fault. Nothing went wrong. It wasn't removed from you. <laughs> it just, something's gone a, a little bit awry. You know that sometimes weird relationship that like independent SEOs have with a corporate webmaster? <laughs> <laughs> now you've got to go back to that person and ask for your credentials back again. <laughs> I, got, I got to check Search Console in, uh, after the show to see if I have a, any weird conversations. Hey, Bob. <laughs> um, know that I really burned you with that last email, dude. It was your own fault, but, uh, could, uh, could you give me a favor? Um, okay. On that, we all got to take breathers every, like, ten minutes these days. On that, you know, um, we have some amazing guests. We have the, honest to goodness, original and first expert in mobile search, Sydney Crumb. And we have uh, so a company called Mobile Moxie. Sydney's one of those people who really believes in the people who, works for her, who work for her. And uh, we are our, our us to be joined by Emily Grossman and Ashley Kerman Hale, along with Cindy Crumb. They're waiting to come on the show, waiting for this next commercial break, which I really am getting to. So on behalf of Dave Davies from Sucking Internet Marketing,
Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. Literature is taking over Miami streets. Between November 13th and the 20th, Downtown Miami will transform into a full-week celebration of the literary arts. More than 500-plus authors are coming to share their new work at the 2016 Miami Book Fair. The Porch is open every evening, complete with a full schedule of live music and performances, a farmer's market and cafe, food trucks, craft beer, and more. For more information on the 33rd Miami Book Fair, November 13th to the 20th at Miami-Dade College's Wolfson Campus in downtown Miami, call 305-237-3258 or visit MiamiBookFair.com. Follow Miami Book Fair on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Miami Book Fair. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. At Fjorge, our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjordDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E Digital.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. A more refreshing kind of talk radio. Cranberry Radio. Cranberry.fm. Him on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Technology here on Gregory.fm. It is the 10th of November, 2016. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from B-Side Internet Marketing. And we are joined by, for a break, we're joined by a true legend in the industry. Cindy Crumb was in uh, my observation, at any rate, the very first person in search, this is like back in 2004, 2005, back before the iPhone, believe it or not, the very first person in search to understand that mobile is where everything is going. She uh, started speaking on the search marketing conference circuit and very quickly proved she was the most competent person in the room. Her business grew faster than many businesses I've, I've seen. And she now owns owns Mobile Moxie. I'm not going to go through their client list. It just makes people trip with jealousy. But we have on the line Cindy Crumb. And with Hi, Cindy, everybody. We have Emily, <laughs> with Cindy, we have Emily Grossman <laughs> and Ashley Berman-Hale. Hi, guys. Ashley, Cindy, and Emily. Welcome to Webcology. 
Thank you. Yeah. And actually, Thanks so much for having back us. for uh, Emily and Cindy. But um, but Ashley, you, you've never been on the show before. Um, no, I haven't. So I do a really good job of hiding in the dark corners of internet marketing. So if you if you don't hang out there, you might not have seen me. But also That's show up amazing. in the corner bar too. That's about to change, is it not, Cindy? Yeah, totally has. But Ashley is super amazing, and she's right. She she does hang out in the dark corners, but she knows a lot about um, SEO. She's a crazy technical SEO and also super hip on all of the new uh, down and dirty things that are happening with Google. Okay. Um, Ashley, aren't you speaking somewhere soon? Uh, yes, I will be at State of Search on Monday in Texas speaking about technical SEO. So come. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's the big leagues, eh? I, I don't know. I, they let me in. <laughs> yeah. Welcome, welcome there. It's a, it's a, uh, State of Search is a great audience. You're going you're gonna to love it. Awesome. This is a really opportune time to have the, to have the three of you on because Google came out earlier this week with what I guess I'm calling their mobile first strategy. What the heck is Google's mobile first strategy? So it's interesting because we've heard for a long time that Google is uh, cares about mobile first and that we should be designing mobile first, but Google's algorithm hasn't been mobile first. It's still relied very, very heavily on desktop. And so at a conference a couple weeks ago, Gary Isles, or Iyish, um, was talking about um, this change where they're going to start evaluating uh, pages in a mobile-first context. And there was a bit of confusion about um, whether it was a separate index or same index, uh, but the the main takeaway is mobile is really important. Google acknowledges that's where a majority of the traffic is coming from, and they needed to update their algorithm. Um, so all of the people, I always say this, but all of the people who have been ignoring mobile um, or th- saying that it doesn't matter for SEO are clearly wrong now. Okay, Definitely. Now, Google, as you said, Google somehow made this weird... Um, discrepancy between what was called the mobile index and the desktop index. Did two separate indexes ever exist? Long, long, long ago, two indexes did exist for a WAP um, and slash CEMA, or the Japanese uh, mobile coding language. I can't remember what that was. Um, But there was a WAP index and a desktop index. And then um, that still existed uh, and for a while, even though it wasn't really talked about, and they were still using desktop primarily for mobile rankings. And then Mobile Geddon happened, and that's when they were saying it's all one big smartphone index. Um, and now there's this, and I think the the end result, Ashley can, can, can confirm, because she knows more about this. She's gotten deeper in it than I have. But um, I think the end result now is... Uh, Gary might have indicated that there were two indexes, but it's really just one with a mobile-first um, algorithmic mentality. Uh, is that right, Ashley? Yeah, that sounds right. So Google's had this interesting transition over time where it was mobile-aware, then it was mobile-friendly. Um, now they're coming up on the promises of mobile-first, but we're even hearing some of their their devs with specific products um, talking about mobile-only. So that's... You know, it's a step in the right direction. But 
Google has been operating past WAP on one index, and it's going to stay that way. The thing that really changed is that the crawlers, they used to go out and crawl and index desktop pages, and then when they had a mobile device, serve a mobile version if appropriate. Um, they're putting desktop a little on the back burner, and they're going out and looking first and foremost for mobile versions, which means they'll do more rendering for mobile versions in order to understand the user experience, too. Fun, right? Well, as of today, what should SEOs be thinking? When, 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 when they hear this, where, where are their PowerPoints? What's the – oops, their PowerPoints are on their computers in their Microsoft office. <laughs> no, not that <laughs> on the page. <laughs> but, you know, what should SEOs be thinking this morning? Uh, one of the first things that I would love SEOs to focus on above all else, as long as a page renders in mobile, that's great, but think a lot more about speed. So it's not as sexy as the marketing part, um, but speed is going to be really important. It's going to keep pushing in importance. So you saw what Google rolled out with accelerated mobile pages. Um, they are investing heavily in speed, and I know that that solution isn't perfect and they're working on it, but fast sites are going to win. Well, and also the announcement didn't get all this, all that much fanfare, but for us it was a big deal when they said AMP um, was going to be default over a deep link. Uh, Emily, can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, so the the context for this is that there are a lot of businesses that decided they wanted to make AMP pages for their content, but also had already made deep links for the same content in their mobile applications. And previously with app indexing um, and before AMP, when a user clicked on a search result um, that had a deep link and they had the app installed, they would be taken to the correct content within the native app experience. Um, but now what Google is saying is if you also have an AMP page for that same content that exists in your native app, instead of taking the user to the native app, they will send them to the AMP page. That's even if the app is installed and even if you have deep links set up. And I think that, you know, there are a lot of reasons why they made this decision. I think probably the biggest reason is that it's the most simplistic from a uh, technology perspective on, on Google's end. Um, but it does have lots of uh, sort of significant repercussions for businesses that invested heavily in setting up app indexing and really want to send users to their native apps. Um, it really does mean that, you know, Google is essentially saying, you know, your your deep links um, will not work so long as you have these AMP links set up. So um, it does have a significant impact on on traffic for some of these organizations that are now no longer getting traffic sent to their app, but are instead getting that traffic sent to their AMP pages. Um, so there, are, I think there are a lot of things that, that Google's going to have to figure out in terms of how AMP in particular is going to interact with some of the other technologies they've set up, particularly around app indexing. Um, but for right now, really, publishers have to make a choice, and, th and that's unfortunate. Um, they should be able to have speedy AMP pages and have their deep links work um, in an ideal universe that's just quite complicated to set up on Google's end. I, I, I hate when somebody says something really smart and then it sends me off and, like, I want to go out four different <laughs> directions at the same time. But uh, what I want to make sure to cover, because it's, it's also, to me anyway, an important sort of revelation to discuss here. Um, it came out that tabbed content um, on mobile for UX, um, even if it's hidden, as long as it's for UX, it would hold the full weight, whereas we've been hearing traditionally with the desktop first index, 
uh, content hidden behind tabs, for example, um, had a lower or, or perhaps even no weight assigned to it. What does this mean? And, and w- if we've got mobile index, does that actually help us on, on desktop? And I know at this point we don't really know for sure, but is it conceivable that, hey, we can now hide it on desktop and, and because it's a mobile-first world, hey, you know, we may actually come out ahead uh, if we're needing to use tabs on our site. What, what does it really mean? What, what do we do with this information? Well, I can speak to this a little bit. I think um, the idea here is that a lot of companies were using responsive design and were using cool strategies to make the mobile experience better um, by putting things in tabs and using fun JavaScripty stuff to make it feel like an app. Um, and the problem with only indexing the first tab or what's what's visible on, on the first load is that that in the mobile experience especially can be a very limited amount of content, especially when compared to desktop. So there's just more keywords available to crawl when you say, yeah, we're giving everything, even stuff that's under a tab, uh, the same weight. Now, do I believe that it's the same weight, like exact same I'm a little skeptical. I think what you said about desktop may be true, that you may be, there may be some opportunities for abuse here. Not that yeah. any of us would do that. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, does lead me, that does lead me to a question I want to ask then. Um, in the mobile, in this quote-unquote mobile-first universe, um, and, and in, you know, given what, what Emily was saying about the primacy of AMP pages, should webmasters be thinking of way tighter site structures, weight, um, less information per page and more topical content per page, and then you know, separate, separating out your content even further? Hmm. Maybe. I'll go out there and say maybe. Shorter isn't going to work for all content, and a lot of long-form content does really well in mobile. So I think it has a lot to do with targeting the audience and knowing the kind of content that they want delivered versus breaking it up into shorter text. Um, Breaking it up works really well for some stuff, and it works really well for search, especially if you have that semantic organization, but I wouldn't leap to phones are small, attentions are small, therefore content smaller 100% of the time. Yeah, and I think it's about interactivity, too. Okay. Uh, Well, so maybe shorter interactions... um, tend to do better. Anything that feels like an app tends to be more successful, whether it's actually an app or whether it's a a PWA uh, or something like that. But then the other thing that's huge in mobile that's not really getting enough attention in the SEO community is video. And video has always been something we talked about as like a side session, but people love video on their phones. Uh, And Google hasn't done a great job of... um, solving a lot of the video problems that are happening on mobile. and uh, But I think in some cases, lo- quote-unquote long-form content in the future may be a 30-minute TV show. I tend to agree with that. And I think that, that the idea of formatting this content is, is sort of like the interesting question now. Um, you know, we, we like to think about this sort of in a short text, long text context, but really there are all sorts of different formats for content. And I think that that mobile has really sort of 
uh, taken video to the next level, but it's also opened the doors for obviously podcasts um, are a big deal on mobile. And so that's a, that's a content format that I think probably wouldn't be explored in a desktop only environment. Um, but, but I think that we'll start to see more interactivity. Um, to, to Cindy's point, I think PWAs are huge. I've also seen great long-form content uh, where there's sort of an interactivity. The New York Times does great articles where they allow users to draw a best guess at a graph that they're about to explain. Um, and these work really, really well on mobile where, where people can use their finger to interact with the content. So, what, I mean... It's interesting information, and it's leading to, to some other ideas, of course. Is, you know, you're talking about um, the, the sort of prevalence of video, which, I mean, it, it's on desktop as well, but that this is um, specifically important um, when it comes to mobile devices, which makes sense. We don't want to interact with them too much, and, you know, my big fat thumbs trying to, to work themselves away on a, on a tiny keyboard. So this all makes perfect sense. But what do we do with that information? How do we predict what content um, we now need to put out what format we need to put it out at, at, and make an actual conversion come from mobile. Like all of us are trying to make conversions. Let's assume we're not a publisher, but I actually have a product I'm trying to sell. What do I do with that information? How do I look at the world around me and go, how do I use the types of content people on mobile want and actually still make that function for what my website's trying to accomplish? I'll be the simpleton and jump in here. Um, I wouldn't overthink too much of the separate indexing at the mobile first or anything like that. I would just think about your user. Um, I'll keep going back to this one, but in terms of what you need and to be able to convert them more, CRO is a really great practice and there are going to be some nuances with mobile in terms of how you get through those steps, but focus on the user. Don't default to any funky thing Google is saying because it's never that smooth. Well, and, and I'll chime in too and say a lot of like focus on the user is, is kind of, it's a correct answer, but it also seems sometimes overused. Um, but I think it's it's especially apropos here, um, and not just focus on the user, but uh, find empathy for your user and think about in what context they'll be searching for this. So, like, for instance, um, I'm in the process of fixing a broken circuit breaker. Um, do I want a video? Do I want step-by-step instructions? Do I want pictures? What are what are those things? And at the risk of being electrocuted, I want all of those things. Um, so yeah, I'll just jump in here too, Cindy, and say that I I think that we can cheat off of Google a little bit in this context in terms of looking at the types of queries that might you know, show up when someone is looking to fix their circuit breaker and seeing what types of content Google's already presenting to users. They have a lot of information about user engagement on certain types of queries. And so in some cases, you can say, you know, this how to fix a circuit breaker query is getting lots of video results. Maybe that's my mobile user's intent versus, you know, circuit breaker diagrams would be a, you know, much more image result. I guess uh, that, 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 that leaves the question, the uh, open question for all listeners, how many people at Mobile Moxie does it take to fix a circuit breaker? <laughs> uh, and we have to leave that as an open question because we've got to go to break here on Webcology here at Grabbery.fm. So on behalf of Dave Davies from Being Sunk Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You're listening to Webcology on Cranberry on the 10th of November, 2016. We are back with Emily Ashley and Cindy after these messages.
light and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. paying too much for your paid advertising or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money studies show that companies waste 25 percent of their ppc spend on average the web marketing experts at wmetraining.com can show you how to make your adwords account a lean mean converting machine whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level we have a class for you Contact the web marketing experts at wmetraining.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nest T Trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Cranberry Radio, online anytime at cranberry.fm. takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. One welcome back to Webcology here on Cranberry.fm. It is the uh, 10th of November, 2016. This is Jim Hedger from Media. Dave Davies from BSOC Internet Marketing. And we are joined by Ashley Berman-Hale, Emily Grossman, and Cindy Crumb from Mobile Moxie. You know what? Go to Google and look up Mobile Moxie because I could spend the next 15 minutes talking about the, uh, the trajectory of this company. Um, but I'm not going to. I'd rather talk about Mobile Search with, um, with, with Emily and Ashley and Cindy. Um, we were talking about the, 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 the new rollout of Google's mobile first ranking algorithms. And um, I guess a, a, a big question is, has this fully rolled out? Is it rolling out? Um, are we going to see an impact sooner or later? Um, what is going on with this quote-unquote rollout? Ooh, I'll take that one. That one's a fun one. Um, Google is notoriously opaque because they like to leave us hanging just a little bit. But there's a camp of people that believe once Google starts talking about an update that it's already been in play for at least a quarter. There's also a camp of people mostly coming from Google that says, hey, if we're telling you it hasn't rolled out yet and we're just doing tests, you have to trust us. So 
I think that it's going to come somewhere in the middle. Um, they will do limited exper- experiments all the time. So more likely than not, they've been gathering data for a long time. But they've probably been running search for a certain subset of users using this methodology for quite some time. But I don't think that it's going to be fully rolled out to all users, possibly for the next quarter or two. So they're doing a lot of experiments Um they're rolling it out. I think Google Now is one of the first hit places, but you don't expect to see it everywhere anyhow for a little bit. I also tend to trust Google a little bit more than my comrades, so I might be a little wrong there too. I, be- um, I believe in the good of all people. I know Dave wants to get a question, but I got a quick follow up here. Um, back about two and a half years ago, Mobile Geddon happened, and people um, first predicted there'd be a massive impact. And then people said there wasn't much of an impact. And then a few months later, people said, wow, that impact was actually bigger than expected. Is this going to have a major impact on search results? I, I tend to think, yes, Google's just getting better at um, the slow rollout and the subtle changes rather than massive shakeups. And I think that's good for them because the massive shakeups get them um, bad press, get them more likely to have, you know, crazy lawsuits about um, who has the right to, to control what and monopoly kinds of lawsuits. So, yeah, I think it's in their best interest to do the slow rollouts and the creep up. And I think that's part of what Rank Brain is, right? They give Rank Brain a new signal to look at and Rank Brain builds up information on it over time. Uh, to have the to facilitate the slow rollout of any change. So what I mean, our job as you know, sort of SEOs and in this role, educators here is we can't be chasing what they're doing now or what they're announcing now because that doesn't make sense because everybody's doing that. So I, I know you guys have probably put on your hats and tried to figure out what's what's coming up. What is the next step? Now, whether this involves how is this going to change the way people query information from Google or whether this is what are we expecting to see Google do next, what are we expecting to see next? Going past the holidays and into sort of Q2, Q3, you know, approaching the summer of next year, what are we dealing with then? What, what changes between now and then? So I'll take this one, or I'll, I'll at least start it. I, I, to me, predictive search, I think, is really fascinating, and I think that's going to get only more and more important as we get more connected devices in the mix. Um, things like Google Home that just came out, but, of course, also Alexa um, on the Amazon platform has sort of really taken over, I think, how people are searching for things with their voice in a home context. Um, things like Android Auto or um, the the sort of Apple version of this CarPlay um, also change how people are searching for things. We now have an entirely new context for people to search for content on the go when they're driving. Um, and, and I think, again, in sort of reinforcing that voice search component, uh, lots of people are talking about voice search. I think lots of people are talking about predictive search. I don't think lots of people are actively targeting r- right now um, those types of devices and behaviors. Um, and part of that is just because it's been so difficult. But um, on the Apple side of things, we're starting to see Apple trying to give third-party developers access to their voice search platform. They released a Siri API 
which uh, has some limited functionality right now. It's limited to a certain kind of product or a certain kind of app, but I think that they'll be expanding that over time. And that really gives developers the power to sort of own a voice search query to say, um, I want you to Snapchat this, or I want you to text my friend. What app is going to open and execute that Um from a voice search, or if I say where, give me directions to something, which app is going to handle that? Or if I say order this or make me reservations, who is going to own that voice query? Um, So we're seeing that a little bit from Apple right now. Google has promised a a Google Now API at points um, in time. I don't know exactly how that will roll out or if it'll, you know, sort of be limited to their current development partners. But um, if, you're, if you're a company that has uh, a product where users can really interact with it in a voice query sort of context, I think this is something that, that you really should be looking into right now. Um, and if you're not, I would start to really think about how users might get to your content in the future. Are they going to be looking for answers? Are they going to be looking for a service to be provided for them? What kinds of voice search type queries will they use to find your business or your product? Um, so that's that's kind of my my first instinct toward the where is this all going? What's sort of next on the on the hit list? But the other thing I think that that we've really been seeing is that a lot of businesses are discovering apps, uh, native apps are maybe not the most lucrative business model for them and are starting to explore something called progressive web apps. And I'll let Cindy talk to that. I think that's really an interesting. Um, sort of a new trend that is really mirroring um, what we're seeing going on with business decisions, but is also just providing new technology that has never existed before. Yeah. So totally agree with everything Emily said. The progressive web app thing I think is fascinating. Um, it's basically like a Google cloud hosted um, version of your website that's super fast. It's kind of like an AMP app website mix situation and and um, most of the browsers have adopted the the things that make a progressive web app possible but the one that has been a holdout of Safari but essentially it makes it so that in a very easy way you can promote um, that people download your PWA and it's really just a website and so it, it ends up being a download of an icon and an app manifest um, that that's a very small piece of code. So really quick uh, download and then minimal um, code transfer or minimal um, megabytes. Uh, in terms of usage, it's actually way more efficient uh, and fast coming down from the Internet to your phone because um, it uses an app skin and then web content. Uh, so it's really neat. Um, and it's something that everyone uh, who does SEO should be keeping an eye on because it's actually also pretty easy to get your existing website to behave like a PWA. Um, and then the other thing that, that we're keeping our eyes on in terms of the horizon is things like big data and how big data informs things like chatbots and um, other kinds of automation uh, that's being largely facilitated by mobile devices, um, including, you know, interactions with mobile devices and TVs or thermostats or just, you know, the Taco Bot ordering Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so our favorite bot. 
I know we've only got a couple minutes uh, here. I'm, one question I needed to get in. Um, does this impact? I mean, there's, there's been a debate going on whether to have a mobile site, whether to have a res- like a mobile only site, whether to have a responsive site. Does this announcement um, that we have now a mobile first index, does that change the recommendation? Do you now recommend one over the other? It, did that change anything at all? So, no. Well, let me say. So, Google's always offered three different configurations for web mobile experiences. So, the dynamic, um, the separate URLs, and the responsive. I've seen them go so far as to say just don't build separate URLs if you can avoid it. There's just tech debt and pitfalls. So, I think if you had a responsive environment where it was going to be web and mobile friendly, um, you're in a pretty good spot. I would not get to the place right now where I would totally neglect desktop being the cautious one. But also, I would say we get the question, should we build a web uh, website or build an app, or should we update our website to be mobile-friendly, or should we just build an app? And I think that statistically, unless you're a huge company that is a everyday known brand that has a really unique app experience, what we're seeing um, in the, the numbers is you should focus on web because the barrier to get someone to download your app is so high. And with the promise of progressive web apps, you can save yourself a lot of money by not building a uh, native app, but building a progressive web app and hoping that um, the adoption is there. And if you've waited too long to build a mobile-friendly site, AMP can get you there. It was a really good way to just skip that whole process altogether. Yeah, AMP only is a thing, and you don't have to have regular non-AMP pages, and Google came out with that one platform, that new platform that's basically like a WordPress plus AMP plus Google Cloud Hosting plus socials. What is it? Is it called? Google Publisher, I think. Yeah. So they're giving you ways to be mobile-friendly and super speedy, fast AMP speeds uh, without a lot of heartache or money. And in the coming weeks, we're going, we're going to have to explore that. But I'm afraid we've got to let it go here because we are absolutely way out of time on, on Webcology. Um, Cindy and uh, Ashley and... Uh, uh, Emily. And Emily, you've got to come... I'm so sorry. And Emily, you've got to come back into the show again <laughs> um, very soon. But I'm afraid we've got to go real fast. So on behalf of Dave Davies from BeatsLock Editor Marketing, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media... You've been listening to Webcology on Cranberry.fm. It's the 10th of November, 2016. We will talk to you next week. Be well. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited.